Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the fan and creative director at House Conspiracy. Today, I'm talking to Danny Capps. We talk today about the value of community and about Danny's history of working bizarre jobs and, of course, about his clowning practice, which is sort of what he's here to do at House Conspiracy. We also laugh a lot, which is great. It's what you want, and it's what I want, too. And I emphasize what I want this time around because this is probably my final podcast uh, here with House Conspiracy as host. I'm afraid I'm out of here after this. The future is uncertain, of course, at the time I record this, but by the time this show finally comes out, there should be some sort of plan for what it's going to look like going forward. And I can't wait to make the transformation from host to listener. It's certainly an easier job. Thank you all for listening to me speak for the past year and a bit across well over 50 episodes of the House Conspiracy podcast. It's been a really awesome experience, and if you guys have learned half as much as I have in terms of art conversation and life, then that's great because I've taken so much from this, more than I ever imagined. Thank you for joining me. And now, of course, before we begin, the regular housekeeping. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at houseconspiracy.org. Check out our artists and check out how we can support you and join our mailing list. These are the things you need to do. Also, you've probably heard of this thing that uh, we're working on called The Conspirator. Full color, fully professional publication coming out in April. It's featuring the work of every one of our artists. That's over 90 Brisbane-based emerging artists, and we can't wait to show you their work. It's on the House Conspiracy website. You can check it out. Head on over. Have a look. We can't wait for you to see it. And now, on to the show. Danny Cabs is a regular Australian hero. The way he carries and articulates himself makes me want to declare this to you all, even though it's a fact that's going to become quickly apparent as you listen to him. I say he's a hero because as this is probably the last podcast you're going to hear with me in the host chair, Danny made this one for me to be proud to go out on. It's great. Together, we do everything I've wanted to do on this show. We explore Danny's life before exploring his art practice. And we look at who he was before he was a clown and who he is when he's up on stage. We get at the essence of why he's doing what he's doing. And we touch on accessible theory and philosophy that underpins the nature of his practice. It's great. It was an honor. It's been an honor. Here's Danny Cabs. Uh, I am sitting down with Mr. Danny Cabs. Um, hey, hey, Danny Cabs. Uh, Hello. You are in House Conspiracy, and we were sitting down before this podcast um, trying to work out what we were going to talk about, and we sort of worked out. We're going to have a bit of a free-flowing thing, but I wanted to start sort of with, with your background in the arts because you started in photography. You studied mm-hmm. with uh, House Conspiracy alumni, Julia Scott Green. Yep. And yep. now you've shifted more into performance. So maybe... Go way back. Where did you start, you know, in your youth? Where, where did your interest in the arts uh-huh. come in? Where did you start and how did you end up here? Give well, us the whole shebang. The whole shebang. I love talking about myself. Uh, That's why you're here. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so um, I grew up in southwest suburbs of Sydney, uh, which there wasn't much of an art scene around there. It was pretty, like, the, the way to express yourself was through sports. So I played football, soccer. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually sort of played quite seriously in football. And I played until I was about 30 with a year or two off here or there, um, 30, 31, even up until I moved to Brisbane. I was playing for about five years. And when I, when I realized soccer was becoming very just too serious and because I was playing professionally and I wasn't enjoying it anymore and it wasn't about it being a game, I went, stuff this, and I went traveling. And when I went traveling, I bought a two-megapixel camera. So that's how long wow. ago it is. Yeah, man, like early 2000s when digital was a new thing. And um, it was a, you know, Canon had, you could set manual settings on it. So I started to play with this camera and read the manual. And and I really enjoyed playing with it. And I would send photos home, you know, on email. And 
And people were like, man, you got a really good eye. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I started like a photo, lo- photo, some kind of photo blog. I feel what it was called. I think it was called Photo Log, but photo spelt Spanish photo, F-O-T-O. Mm-hmm. It used to be around. It used to be like a Tumblr. And I started one of them and then... I came. I moved to Brisbane, and life was, seemed easy in Brisbane. So I started studying photography because I, I like photography. And from wanting to be a travel journalist, like photojournalist, to then going, wait a sec, I can manipulate what I do with photos. So I started putting myself in front of the camera and playing little games in front of the camera, and um, like building characters and doing silly things and seeing what could happen and eventually that turned into me being a live performance artist and actor a bit and I still take a lot of photos with with uh, a couple of old cameras. I've got a two medium formats. I've got a Hasselblad and a Rolly twin mm-hmm. lens and then I've got a, a 35mm uh, Nikon FG which is a 1980s 35mm SLR and I do a lot of shooting with that but that's just my own stuff and that I enjoy it's not business-wise. Still working, like I assist photos. I do portraits of artists for, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there. But I don't make it as my be-all and end-all because it gets a bit, yeah, assisting's good money. But anyway, that's that's not what I do arts-wise. Now, now I make performative works, theatre, interactive theatre. I, I, you know, if I can, I try to be an actor for paid gigs like TV commercials and whatever else comes around if someone wants to give me a job. Uh, call me up, uh, dannycabs.com. You'll find all the uh, information on there. And thanks for being great and chatting to you. See you later, guys. All right, bye. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Anyway, wow, and that's it. Such yeah. efficiency from yeah. Danny Cabs. But I've done so many things <laughs> through there, man. I've done, like I've been a tour guide. I've worked reception at hostels. I've, man, I've been a personal trainer and aerobics instructor on cruise liners. I've done everything. I've, I've got this pool of experience to draw upon, which, which makes me really scatty at times in terms of what I want to do, but then it really kind of influences what I do in really interesting ways, I think, I feel, hopefully, maybe, perhaps. Maybe perhaps. <laughs> so, so was the sort of like jumping around various careers and whatnot, was a uh, professional soccer player, was that sort of the longest lasting thing that you did? Yeah, like I... I was doing it solidly from 17. I signed my first contract in Mm -hmm. Sydney and I played maybe three seasons, no, two two seasons in Sydney and a season in Uruguay where my parents are from. Did you say ferret? Ferrets. Yeah, I owned <laughs> ferrets and they gave birth to me. Uh, my parents. <laughs> we are learning a lot. I'm le- yeah, yeah. Guys, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, no, <laughs> I, and I'm reading a post-it note over there that says, fuck gluten. <laughs> yeah, this, this house has it's, become a nonsense yeah, space. All right. It's also late on a Friday, yeah. uh, which might give some clues to the time. Exactly. It's also, fun fact, the final podcast. It is the final one for this forever. Final one I'll be. I'll oh, be, you'll be doing. doing oh, I believe so. I know, yeah. I'm very privileged to be in the final one. Or I'm burned out and it's going to be it's shit. Gonna be shit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. We might be. Might be you know, I'm privileged, but we're both not great at it. So Look, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. You know, it's, no one's, it's all amateur Look, hour here. It's all, just, it's all fun. But yeah, I played professionally for about three or four years. Then I traveled for about two, three years and did other jobs. And then when I came to Brisbane, I went, oh, I need to meet a community here in Brisbane. I don't know much of people. I do miss football. Let's play it as a game. So I uh, played for a semi-professional club in the State League in, Bri- in Brisbane, well, Queensland, but it was pretty much just Brisbane Gold Coast. Uh, and I did that for about seven years, six years, something like that. So, yeah, it's the longest thing I've had, but it, it stopped being what I was going to do for my career yeah. when I was about 20, 20, 21 maybe. And then I was just... Playing with a lot of different things, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was going to say that if uh, you need to pick it up, I think the Roar are really looking for someone Probably. who can kick a ball. <laughs> Struggling. Um, oh. Yeah. They yeah. did win last night, though. So. Oh, that's um, good, yeah. I just know my team from Western Sydney beat them two weeks ago, and that was nice because we haven't been winning much either. No, um, but the Roar, you know, low, <laughs> bar, low bar, man. Low yeah, bar. yeah, low bar. Um, so you've sort of talked about what, you bring to performance is the sort of breadth of lots, lots of things that you've done and lots of reflections that you've been able to have, but why performance specifically? Well, how did you fall into that and how did that, 
How did you work out that that was the, the ideal way for you to sort of express everything yeah. that's going on? Yeah, good question. So I, um, I've always been told, I was always a performer. I was always performing to friends, family. I was always the clown uh, in school, whatever it be, always the clown. And uh, everyone always sort of went, oh, are you an actor? You know, when I became an adult, oh, you should do acting and things like that. You know, I used to come across that quite a lot. Um, because you're rugged, good looks. Oh, wow. So good looking. No, no not, not because of that. And, um, partly. Uh, partly, partly. Partly, partly. Um, more because, I, and, and just because I'm a clown, I'm an idiot. And I, I think a, a way that I make sure I don't look like an idiot is I purposely be an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has worked out because it, it actually, it's quite therapeutic to play and be silly. And, and I, I don't think I have it any other way now. So I... Um, so even when I was doing photography, you know, like football, I was always the performer on the, on the football ground. I was always a skillful one. Um, yeah, just anything I did. I, I taught photography for four years after uni. At uni or? At a, a bit at uni. I did some tutoring at uni, mm-hmm. at my old uni, Queensland College of Art. And then I, those four years though, I was solidly, solidly a lecturer at, a private college that was called CATC Design School. I don't know if it exists anymore or whatever, but um, we did a diploma in photography. So that had, gave me an opportunity while I was exploring my photo work that I was always putting myself in front of the camera, like I was, I was using myself always. It also then gave me the opportunity of actually performing live to people. So I would make yeah, videos right. where I'm performing as characters, but then these characters were based upon the stupid antics I did in front of my classroom because these students hated being in class sometimes and they'd be on their phones. So I'd have to do, all right, let's make it fun for them, you know, and I'd do stupid things and, and that influenced video work. Then, then that video went, well, you know, you've always wanted to be an actor kind of. You've always loved movies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you love being in front of a crowd, doing public speaking, talking, all that kind of stuff. Well, why don't you not ditch the video stuff but keep that as one of your out- outlets but you're a performer now, use live performance as well and then you just become a performer and then you can video, you can do live stuff, you can, you can play characters, you can read poetry, you can do whatever you want but my body's the vessel and it's always seemed like that's the best way. I've always been very sort of hard on the sleeve, just body, just outpouring, whatever it be. I also have no other skills. <laughs> <laughs> no other skills, man. I can't draw. I can't play music. I can't do anything. So the body, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, me. And and I suppose like uh, the the quite physical history of sort of sporting allows you sort of to tap into it and not maybe have to have started from scratch when you decided. Exactly. To. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I can. People that, that have, uh, are in performance might, might say, wow, your physicality is so amazing. Where's your training and that? And I'm like, oh, well, my training was on the soccer field. I don't know. Yep. Everyone, the stereotype of the footballer is that he's diving and doing theatrics anyway. So uh, Grabbing I, your leg, uh, pretending y- to be hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I guess, yeah, the physicality from that, that history and being a personal trainer as well mm-hmm. and always being around Right, sports. because that would give you an understanding of other people's bodies. Exactly. Then exactly. you can empathize with how people yeah. are perceiving your body. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've always known that as a reason why I'm, my physicality is, is doing okay for someone that hasn't trained in theatre and physical theatre and that. But it's nice hearing you say that as you know, as a good connection because I never, like I wasn't, yeah, yeah, I'm fit, I can move, but it's so true. I've understood other people's bodies, my own body and all that through all of, all that world. I've got a cough. <coughs> Danny Cavs has just pulled a cough to the side <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> and now we're back. Um, hey, so um, moving into maybe talking specifically about a couple of your performances, um, neither of which I managed to catch last year, I will add, we were running a venue out of here for Anywhere Festival, but you did uh, Weekend at Barney's and Poncho Orange. You did mm-hmm. two shows in both uh, Anywhere Theatre Festival Brisbane and in the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Yep. So, A, uh, tell us about those shows, and B, how did you manage to do t- two shows in one festival? Because that, I mean, it can be a nightmare to just do one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, A... What about like what about the shows? Like yeah, yeah. What, tell tell, tell um, me about the shows. Well, Punch Orange is the second show I made or or toured. 
Um, and it was a character that was born out of my first show. It was a character I had in some videos, and he's a very stereotypical Latino. Hello, how are you today? Yes, you look very good. <laughs> you know, and he's more of a clown rather than a storyteller. He goes around and doesn't say too much. He has a few little catchphrases, but in general, he, he wears orange speedos and an orange poncho and wears orange makeup and and runs around making a fool of himself, but with a very innocent childlike playfulness, even even within his sexuality. So even he's he's a very he's a Latino lover. <laughs> oh, you look good, but everyone looks good to him and everyone looks beautiful and and he wants to make love to everyone. But in an innocent, like, hey, let's all be together. Let's let's talk about community. Let's stuff like that. So he he just wants everyone to be together. But he doesn't go, hey, let's all be together. He makes everyone play together, or, or instigates, or, or pr- provides a catalyst for everyone to play together. So we do stupid things in the show. We do like silly yoga. We I get people to um, I kind of read a bit of poetry silly poncho orange poetry and people have to fill in the gaps oh yeah like mad libs sort of thing kind of thing like oh i just ask them questions like oh, love i uh, love and i say something silly about love and and then which a lot of the times improv sometimes i have a little quote or whatever and then um i ask them what what do you think about love and they'll have to then tell me what they think and and it happens with other things and um so we, we, we're all part of it. We're all together in the show and, and it's a really fun and enjoyable show, but I'm not the funniest on there. Like I look the funniest, but mm. a lot of the funny and the great moments come from uh, the, the people and the energy they give me and the, the interactions we have. Um, so it's, it's very enjoyable in, in that way. And, and I'll be the first to say I'm not the funniest guy in the room. You know, it's, it's nice that well, not, we're all not a community. this room. Definitely not this room. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Um, hey, so <laughs> fuck, see, see. Jonathan is very proud of that joke. <laughs> very proud. See the trouble. Oh, fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the big trouble is that the moment you make a make a joke like that, you're, you're fucked for the rest of the <laughs> no, it's for the good. rest of the it whatever's good. going on. So, um, hey, so um, and then weekend at Barney's. Do you want to quickly? Yeah, start? yeah. Talk about we- I, no, no. no, no. Oh, I'm gonna ask you about. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you about Ponte Pont- Orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no. No, do Weekend at Barney's. Oh, no. Um, all right, no. <laughs> <laughs> Friday afternoon, guys. Um, okay, no. Punch Orange. So I actually wanted to bring on to this because I... Um, so I'm no... Like, because this is an interdisciplinary art space, um, I obviously didn't know everything about every art form coming into this. And one of the things that I've actually really learned about being here is clowning. Mm. Um, that's one of the things that I really had very little knowledge about sort of outside of you know wiggles and similar stuff um from my childhood um and it seems to me that exactly what you're saying is exactly where clowning seems to be most powerful is when it's facilitation Mm. of audience could you maybe talk a little bit about that because i know we're going to talk later on a bit about what you're doing here and community and love and connection what what are sort of the techniques what how do you get bring people in to connect with each other Largely, you know, like you said, not being the funniest person in the room, being the catalyst yeah. for other people's joy and yeah. connection. Um, look, I don't know everyone else's methods and stuff. Um, but first, I want to do a big shout out to one of your colleagues that you would have learned elements of clowning from, Kato. Kato, oh, man. strong ham, strong arm, strong arm, arm strong. Strong arm, strong heart. So, yeah, man. She, by far, is one of the best clowns I've seen, and I've seen a lot of clowns. Yeah, she's um, incredible. And, and she's still new in it. You know, she's mid-20s, and Killing she's going to be a force to reckon with in the future. You like, saw I, 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 I'm, I, I admire her as a performer and, and as mm. a clown. I wish I could be as good as her one day. But um, uh, so that was the thing. Um, and But the, the way I, I come across it is, um, I've always used that method of being the silly guy to let people's walls crumble. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you be silly. So if someone looks at you and go, wait, if I say something now, whatever it is, it can't be as silly as that guy. Yeah. So I'll just say it, you know. It, so, so that's my method. Um, uh, this maybe sounds a little derogatory, yeah. but is it almost like a, a process of lowering the bar for other people? 
Yeah, yeah, but it, it's not, it's not so, yes, but not so much in lowering the bar of, uh, because they're not talented, but lowering the bar because they have inhibitions. Mm-hmm. So it's just lowering the inhibition bar. Yeah, yeah. Not, not the, the talent bar. Not the talent bar, but the, yeah. the perception of how high the bar is, which is where inhibitions come from. Yes, yeah. exactly. Perception, that's nice. not the actual yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of, of saying it. Um so yeah, it's about going, hey, you know, like we're all working in this level down here. Don't worry about it. Just say whatever you want, do whatever you want. And trust me, it's fun, you know, like. So and then from that you have to be sincere. You can't pretend anything. You just gotta be sincere about it. So I think with sincerity and then playing the fool, within that sincerity is for me, it's been working. Tell me yeah. about the idea of sincerity when you're playing what what what's the element of sincerity in playing a hugely ridiculous character like Poncho Orange? Um, like, even though he's a character and he's in costume and he has an accent, he's ultimately when he fails, you see it, you see it in his eyes, and and the one the one thing I can say from very small amounts of clown training I've done, I've done a few workshops, and one thing was explained to me at the start of my very first one uh, about three years ago now. In about a month, it'll be three years ago, I did my first clown workshop. And it was always feeling you have the right answer with confidence, okay? So, so if there's a question asked of you going, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. Doing it, saying the answer, and then when they go, oh, no, Danny, no, that's, that's not it. Just going, oh, damn, like, all right. You know, and, and letting it sink in and going accepting it. And then like two seconds later, once everyone's seen that it's sunk in, oh, wait, 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 now I know the answer. Now I know the answer. It's like you always have the right answer, but you're always going to fail. But then you always have the right answer, but mm-hmm. then you fail. But then you have the right answer. And you're always confident in picking yourself up. And that's so, about building that empathy of resilience? Yeah, yeah, resilience? but also they see you fail. Yeah. You know, they see you fail and then that you try again. So even... Even, uh, even if you have an accent and all this kind of stuff, the, you, you, they can see the, oh, mm-hmm. all right, that was pretty bad. What's next? All right, guys, yeah, I'm going to now do this, you know. And I was like, oh, all right, thanks, yep. Uh, and what's next? I'm going to do this, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know, it, it's... It sounds like a very, yeah, a human process of striving almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, it is. They they realize that you're just you're being resilient and you're just fighting. And and I guess they connect with that. Like, don't we connect? Most with, people connect with that. I think. With because I don't know, man. I think it'd be very rare for you to walk out on the street and feel like like totally your shit don't stink, and where where you're the king of the world. You know, I think we doubt ourselves every day, constantly. Well, maybe a big part of the population do. So when you see someone that clearly has not got the most talent or whatever it be, but is just trying and trying and trying, you you, you connect with that. Un- underdog, it's the underdog thing. Yeah. It's like movie Rudy, yeah. not Notre Dame, you know. Um, yeah, I guess it's that. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, that sincerity. Yeah. No, 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 no. I yeah. think, I think, I think that makes, makes a lot of sense. I think it's, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a huge, huge believer in sincerity and I've been listening to a few podcasts on radical honesty as well, which is really interesting. Might um, write that one down. Yeah. Radical uh, it was a <clears throat> podcast with Sam Harris, who I sometimes have huge political issues with. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it was, it was with him and this it's called the change artist. The episode is called the change artist of the waking up podcast. All right. And, uh, it's this guy, he takes up radical things. So he tried to be the most, the most Christian person on earth and followed every single rule in the Bible for a year. And then he did, he wanted to be the most healthy person on earth. So he followed a hundred diet rules for a year. Uh And then he wanted to be the most honest person on earth. And so he didn't lie for a whole year and would tell people the truth. Blatant honesty. Yeah. So that was like radical honesty is that you have to say, everything wow and he talks about sort of how it was really valuable for some relationships and for some relationships it really put it on the edge yeah um but really 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 interesting really really interesting podcast but um moving on from other people's work tell me about weekend at barney's weekend at barney's uh i met a guy called barney duncan who is a great clown like amazing one of the world's best 
still hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves, but he's currently touring in Soho in London, Soho mm-hmm. Theatre, with two shows. Fantastic. Um, so I think it's starting to turn the tide, but he's been in the game for 20 years or so. Jesus, it's a hard slog. Um, yeah. But he, me and him both played a Latino character. He played a guy called Juan Vesuvius <laughs> in a show called Calypso Nights. So that's one show he's touring oh, at Soho. Oh, I've heard about. Yeah, he came, I brought him to Anywhere last year as yeah. well. Yeah, so we all did our shows at the same venue. And then he, we just instantly when we met at Adelaide Fringe three years ago, we went, are you my brother? Who are we? What? We're identical. We're both playing this. And we're both short and have a little mustache and we're just similar. <laughs> two tiny clowns. Yeah, two tiny clowns. And um, we, that year we did a spot. A spot is like a 10-minute, five-minute segment of a bigger variety night. Mm-hmm. So they have different comedians or artists on and you do your spot in it. And we were both going to do a spot in the same show. And we both went, hey, what, why don't we do something together? And I'd never worked with someone before. I was just working solo for the first time in my life. And I went, yeah, all right, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah cool. And he came up with a, we went, what do we do? We sat in a park for an hour one day and went, what do we do? What do we do? And we're scratching our heads. And then he went, I've always had people confuse my name for Bernie. Like when I say my name's Barney, people call me Bernie and constantly like Bernie. And I have to know Barney. Oh, okay, Bernie. And he went, and then one of my favorite movies from the 80s is Weekend, Weekend at, at Bernie's. Bernie's. So he went, why don't we do that? And I went, yeah, yeah, I'll be like super enthusiastic. You And he kind of looks like Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. We, and we borrowed, like I had a sports, my, my ex my partner at the time, she's, she's an ex now, uh, she had this like 80s jacket. So we, he wore that and some of my slacks that I had for another costume and uh, his own hat and my sonny's and like it just we made a costume and he looked like bernie and i came out being the super latino positive guy trying to move him around stage for yeah. 10 minutes and it was exhausting he, he weighs like not much but like 76 kilos or something but it's heavier than me it's a good six seven kilos heavier than me and he um and yeah it was exhausting but people found it funny we found a few good things and a year later at Melbourne Comedy Fest, we were in the same lineup again and we went, let's do it again, all right. And we did it again and everyone again was like, oh, man, that was so good. And this is without any rehearsals. We just got on stage and had one rule. He's dead, I'm alive, I have to pretend he's alive. So maybe that's three rules. And, um, but it was under that thing. And um, then halfway through last year, the applications for the following Melbourne Comedy Fest were on. He lives in Melbourne. I had been doing poncho for you know six months now and i knew i couldn't do another year after like the following year with it so i went i wouldn't mind doing another show or something so i asked him i went do you want to do an hour show and he went all right yeah let's do it so we committed we applied we and then through three different um rehearsal periods or um development periods one in Melbourne for four days, one in Brisbane for four days, and then one leading up to the festival for like eight days, and then we had a ten-night run of, at the festival in Melbourne. Uh, we developed a show. Wow! And it was um, it proper, like it, it's theatre, so it's 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 a, it's there's dialogue. Um, it's not improv and play in the way that Poncho is. There's certain elements of it, of course, because we're you both move, you move very the body much around in that way. It goes yeah. across the audience, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, there's elements where the show bounces in between um, the weekend before we debut. And it's always first night of Melbourne Comedy Fest for us. And it's um, the night before we debut at Melbourne Comedy, or the weekend before, and we're at Barney's house. And something happens in that weekend where he can't be alive on stage tomorrow night or, you know, Monday Mm -hmm. night. So there's elements where he's alive and the fourth wall is up and we only, we have interaction just between ourselves and stuff. But then the other half of the play is me on stage for our joint show, Barney, his name is Barney Topaz and I'm um, Danny Peaches. Um, hey, welcome to our comedy show. And I have to make everyone believe that Barney's alive um, because he's the high headliner. He's the highlight of the show. He, um, no one's there to see me. I'm up and coming. He's an old vet. 
that I've admired since I was 12. So, you know, it's so the, when I'm in that comedy thing, there's elements where I'm carrying him across the stage and he falls and he falls into an audience's lap and I then interact with the audience. So there's elements that are similar to that, but it's, it's a play, you know, mm-hmm. he jumps in and out of the, like he drops and, and lifts the fourth wall at times back and forth. Moves around time a bit, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, moves around time, definitely moves around yeah. time. Uh, almost memento-esque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's my first ever play, scripted play, which was a lot of fun and hard, very challenging. I found it very hard. I had to do a lot of, for half of it, I'm not just all the dialogue, but I'm also all the movement on stage, yeah. including movement for two bodies, mine and his. So <laughs> Ten days of that, huh? Were you cool. sore? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. I was tight. Like as soon as I finished, I was like, you know, solid yoga for a few days and, and stretching, massaging. Um, but yeah. And then I, I did. So, but it was a lot of fun and the show has a lot of legs on it. We we were going to tour it in Perth in two weeks, but he's over in London now. He scored that and that's a lot better than a Perth tour. Mm -hmm. So we'll perform it again eventually. But also in Melbourne, I was doing 10 nights in a row with, 10, uh, with two shows each night wow. and that was intense. But I think Poncho, it was weekend at Barney's and I'd be drenched at the end of it and then I'd have an hour and a half break and then I'd have Poncho Orange. So I'd get some bananas into me, I'd have a quick stretch, I'd you know, like cool down and get changed and then warm up again. And I'd, um, I think Poncho Orange was a good... Like it would open me up because Poncho moves around and opens. He's not dragging and pulling. He's extending and gliding, yeah. you know, in a way. So you're sort of doing secret stretches on stage. Yeah, getting yourself, kind of yeah. thing. So in that, it, it made me feel quite good, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. Great. And, and one thing, you had a question B. I might be talking too much. But no, 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 no. You had a question That's B. The question B was, was, yeah, you can just cut. Um, was... Uh, how was doing two shows a night at these festivals Mm. and do you know what it's like it's tough but it's not that hard i know artists that work a lot harder i know artists that that do you know close to three shows a day for 20 days straight at a festival and there's some hard-working people out there slogging it out just trying to you know get their voice across and, and appeal to audiences and you know, doing two a night ain't that bad. You know, I was in the same venue. It was pretty easy. It felt good. It's hard. You know, you got it, you you got to really change your, the way your brain thinks between shows and stuff like that. But it's it's really yeah, it was it was good and not that hard at all. It's amazing what we can do. Yeah, human, mm. human, human potential. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Just got to tap into it. Yeah, it's good. And now, now bringing it, skipping in time ourselves. Uh, to, to the present, to House Conspiracy, House Conspiracy um, where you have begun your 2018, mm-hmm. reflecting on life, love, and community. Mm-hmm. Um, we were sort of talking earlier about what we talk about on the podcast, and it's been free-flowing up to this point, which yeah. is sort of the crux of it, which is, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? What are you doing in that writer's room? Writer's room, I'm getting really hot. It's a hot box in there. Um, but what I'm doing is... Um, I'm spending maybe 50% of the time I'm working on this here and then at home too. I've mm-hmm. just moved into a, my own little kind of place and it, it's comfy for, for this kind of stuff too. So I'm feeling really inspired in both, which is nice. But um, to, to be honest, a lot of my process, I've had a very long year very with, with very small amount of time of reflection very long three years, to be honest, with a small amount of time of reflection for that. So I kind of bookmarked this month. It was such a nice thing to get January here because I bookmarked it as in I don't get much photo work, so paid work during this month. Um, so I always know I'm going to be just piss fighting around. But it, I'm using this as a time to go, okay, this is kind of like a holiday, you know, like of course I'm here doing things, but I'm not – worrying about going to work like I think I've booked two or three days of work all month um and and in in not having to worry about going to work I've been able to like waste a lot of time as well I've been able to just lie down and do nothing and Mm -hmm. play toy blast on my phone or yeah yeah man it's crazy um gotta get those gold coins uh if you don't just you know what's the point uh, <laughs> life, is gold, life is gold coins. <laughs> <Danny Katz. laughs> 
Money, money, money. A friend sent my sent me a song this morning too. Like, here's a morning cheer up song. Um, Amanda Howard sent me and Leah Stark mm-hmm. this song, and it was Money by I forget who it is, like Lakeisha or something. Oh and yeah, sure. It's you know the song? No. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. Money by Lekka Lee, Lakey Lee, forty seven. Lakey Lee, forty seven. Yeah, That's... really recommend it. Anyway, <laughs> and um, so gold coins, but um. So, look, there's been a lot of time of just sitting, thinking, not doing much at all. But what that's led me to do is think about what's, what topics are important for me. Because, again, it's a type of time of reflection. And, like, words that come up for me always are solidarity, community, compassion, um, love. Love is always sort of key word. Belonging, belong. And so I got those words and then, like, kept on going, like, further with those words and, you know, cohabitat or cohabit and companionship and companions and coordinate and just things that you know coexist and cooperate and all those kind of words just made me kind of think all right I I've got this real and it's been something in my head a bit but I'm, I'm really starting to accept now that I've got this real yearning for belonging and for community um and 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 camaraderie or companionship you know and a lot of the times I I make really good connections and then that translates into love mm-hmm. and then that love becomes sexual and then we lose community or companionship out of that somehow. So I think I've come from like community and companionship to, you know, my relationships and my love relationships and sexual relationships and why... I do, but then we as people, like I read a quote, I'll read them to you now, and yeah, I was like, it. wow, that resonates with me. And then I'm like, wait a sec, it says in the quote. Anyway, but but just come in full circle into why I have this yearning for love and community and companionship. Um, and that's where I'm starting to explore and I'm looking at like uh, Jean-Paul Sartre mm-hmm. and Mainly, mainly sort of here, another guy called Hugh Mackay, who's, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, but at the moment, it's been mainly um, Sat- Satra and then other artists, uh, other authors and writers and journalists that are, are writing about his philosophies mm-hmm. of, um, what is it called? Humanity and belonging? No? Oh, no. Being and nothingness. Yeah. One of his, that's he, one of his, the most seminal books of Satres, um, which I haven't read the book, but I'm reading people breaking the book up for me. Yeah. Sometimes um, that's the best leg in. Yeah. Especially with short amount of time, but it's dense, man. Uh, like it's, it, it's translated from French too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So which is a whole hard, other nightmare. You know? Whereas this, like it's a dense book. It's like 800 pages thick and it's like. And then it's Good. brown and like no decor. It's dense in appearance and in reading. I'm glad um, we got that audio. Yeah. Otherwise, gonna... people wouldn't understand. No, that was the density. <laughs> um, so that's that's where I'm going. I'll read you those yeah, quotes. And it was like, oh, wow. Is this the one? Uh, Danny Brown. Uh, Danny Brown. No, Danny Cabs. Danny, Danny Cabs. Brown Danny is Brown. a rapper. <laughs> Danny Cabs is a clown. Um, Danny Cabs is reading from John Paul Stott. Oh no, and it's just it's just a question that this this person uh, led their article off with, and and she he then answers in in the article um, why are human beings obsessed with relationships, you know? And I am, and especially these days, I'm I'm so caught up in relationships, and not only of the sexual kind, but just all my interactions and how how influential they are in my life, or what's important, what's not, and. Uh, some sucking energy up, some give me energy, you know, like all that. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, that's what I think about most of the time, you know. And and then relationships with, with people I'm attracted to overtake anything. It's just ridiculous. Um, Is that and, part of where Poncho comes from? I guess so, yeah. He wants, you know, he, he yeah, he wants to love everyone and stuff. But Poncho doesn't discriminate. He, you know, like I'm... I'm but you, you're uh, very picky. And you discriminate. <laughs> That's right. You're the funniest man in the room. Um, no, you. I definitely don't. But 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 I do. I do. I'm I'm definitely like I'm heterosexual. You mm-hmm. know. So so I sexually I'm only attracted to women and 
And I naturally have probably have a type. You know, some people that know me might go, yeah, you probably have a type. I try not to and all that, but it's just we like what we like. Some people like the color blue. Some people like the color yellow. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Speaking of discrimination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey, man, you said it. No, no it's good. All right, uh, continue. Uh, yeah, continue yeah, with yeah. No, it's and, – and then – but whereas Poncho gives love to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, but I guess it's easy. Danny Cabs gives love to everyone as well. Just when it gets to sexual, it doesn't go beyond a certain point with some people. Whereas Poncho never goes to the full sexual there, but he's a lot. He has a lot of innuendo yeah. and all that, and he uses that in a way to, in a good way. It's never, che- it's never creepy. It's always very um, playful. It's always very playful and and like. Yeah, it, it's it's quite nice, and I, I never purposely made it that way. I guess it's just who I am. I'm, I'm a very sexual being. Yeah, I have utmost respect for all hu- all of humanity. You know, I think that'll be the pull quote for the podcast. <laughs> Danny Cabs, I'm a very sexual <laughs> human being. I'm a very sexual human being, but I I I also know that there's consent and all that kind of stuff because yeah. I've been taught right. So I. I have no problem with speaking about sexuality and all that kind of stuff as long as who I'm speaking to is fine with it mm-hmm. and as long as our boundaries are never crossed and it's always consensual. So Poncho just amplifies that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he amplifies that. And yeah, and then like me, I'm here thinking, wow, like that question resonated. Like I, I do think about relationships all the time. That's amazing. And I think – Oh, no, it's not amazing because all human beings do that and I'm a human being. So it's been nice getting down to sort of the crux of just starting to pull apart why we feel this need for connection and and all this kind of stuff. And Satra talks about uh, like man or the human being um, being, (laughs) human being, 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 Beans. 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 Heinz. Beans. Heinz. Heinz beans. Heinz beans. All Heinz beans are thinking about relationships. <laughs> all, all, everyone in the can is thinking about relationships. Oh, man. What a nice metaphor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Refried uh, friends. We're a, can, we're a can of refried friends. Um, so that we, we are free human beings in having um, – consciousness mm-hmm. we're free yet we're with having that freedom where then we need to be reinforced by another consciousness which then eliminates our freedom so we, we we lose that and especially in sexual relationships in loving relationships in that way we give up our freedom as a form of um commitment you know i'll commit to you my my greatest possession which is my freedom and and then but for that for me giving that gift to this one person if i am not the center of the world then forever and i'm not the only thing for them or he says um the only i'm not a this amongst other this is i'm the this if i'm not that for that one person i've given them my freedom then that creates conflict and that creates sorrow and that create you know that, that creates all our problems. So hmm. it's this you know we we have this freedom to be who we want or whatever because we're free thinking human beings, and we have a consciousness. But that is our very burden. We need a table can't reinforce that for us. We need another being to reinforce that for us, and that's where I've gotten at the moment. I'm up to that as a as a way of like great then I I get it, you know. So, and, and I, I've always, especially in the last few years for me, after my last failed committed, like, monogamous relationship, I've thought maybe, you know, extreme monogamy is not the way to go. You know, maybe there's ways to not depend entirely on all your, all your human connections to reinforce who you are because we, we need it. That's That's how it is not to put it solely dependent on this one person. So when that starts to crumble in a way or when they're busy and they're Mm -hmm. occupied with so much stuff that's in their head because you've got all this shit in your head. So they, 
you know, like you don't take it out on him and you just realize, hey, they're dealing with stuff as well. And, and you know, that's that's where I'm at. I've always been open to all of that, but it's nice to hear a, a theory behind it yeah. or a philosophy behind it and go, okay, I, I'm not abnormal in thinking that. No. I no, can spread is. my love or it's healthy to spread my love even, you know. And it's healthy to mm. also, I think... I was speaking with a, a psychoanalyst friend of mine who's sort of been practicing for a long while. Um, and he was talking to me about how it's kind of, there's kind of this strange paradoxical absurdity where we recognize our own limits, but still place this expectation that somehow we're going to find one person who's capable of being all things for us. Ridiculous. It is. It yeah, is. It's, it's, it's unrealistic. It's so unrealistic. And it's almost, it's almost like the whole concept of it is almost unfair to whomever you, you choose or chooses yeah. you. Oh, it's, it's ridiculously unfair. Imagine the weight on their shoulders, you know? Mm. So Particularly unfair. when they're a mess like you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> again, I don't again. Know, I don't know why yeah, this man, has become the bully, the, bully, the bully Danny Cab show. But. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I like being made to laugh. It doesn't happen often. No, <laughs> no I'm joking. Not, hey, not when. But yeah. see, see that that comes to that comes, comes to the to ultimate it. thing. And mm-hmm. this is Jordan Rakai. You know Jordan Rakai? I do not know Jordan Rakai. Who's uh, Jordan Rakai? He, he's a Brisbane local singer songwriter mm-hmm. who's now doing it big oh, in uh, he just London. He just played here with, a week and a half ago. Um, yeah, launch of that guy's album. Oh no, no he was headlining. No. Oh, he's headlining. Yeah, yeah, he's headlining at Triffitt. Oh, sorry, Jordan Rakai was playing, oh. and it was opened by Noah Slee. Yes, yes. Other way yeah, around. Noah Slee was Jordan Rakai's first, album and then there was, was a New Zealand artist between them. Her name started with W. It was just one, like like Wellington or Wilson, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And she was great. I didn't see Noah Slee, but then Jordan Rakai's. Be- oh man, and he's got. This lyric, I, I love him. I think he's one of my favorite artists, and I think he'll be one of Australia's best ever artists. His soul, he's Fantastic. beautiful. And he, he, should I keep going? Yeah, oh, yeah. He yeah. said, "Oh, wait a sec." No, no, no. no. I said, "Fantastic." Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's this one song. I forget the name of the song, but he's got this line, and it comes back to this. You know, us trying to find this perfect person. Mm-hmm. And he says, "How can I find a reason to love you when I don't love myself?" And that's it. Yeah, that's it. How can we, you know, you know, ever find that perfect thing when we're constantly sort of aware of our own flaws and putting ourselves down or whatever? Like we're never going to find that perfect thing, but we're never going to accept anyone else either entirely until we accept all of our insecurities and our issues and we go, you know what? They're great. I love them. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, it's an expansion and a similar thread to that idea of sort of you need to change yourself before you change the world. Of course. Um, yeah. And, you know, if everyone did that, then the world would change. Yeah. Um, yeah. If only. If only. If, yeah. if only. And it's hard and I get it. You it's know, really hard. I'm trying and, and I find it hard and I get burdened by the expectations of society and society maybe these days sort of the, the largest society and popular culture and media at the moment that's easily accessible leads us not to look after ourselves and mm-hmm. not to care for ourselves and so it's hard to battle that you know go against the current it's so bloody hard yeah it's very easy to become complacent and yeah. there's a lot of yeah. not active encouragement but like very passive encouragement to be passive mm. which makes it easy to be passive yeah um i wanted to ask and sort of wrap up because the way you're going to be communicating all these thoughts that you've been having and what you've been going through um, is through a vlog sort of format. Yeah. And I wanted to ask why you chose that format. Is that partially response to the media, the state of our time, or is it just what's accessible and still has a performative element to it? Yeah, I think it's one, one thing that I'm, one thing that, that I've set out to do is it, it's quite hard on the fringe circuit writing shows and taking them to people and, having to sell tickets and getting people on seats, you know, so, and it's quite expensive. So I've, I'm still very interested in that. But one thing that I've said is I probably have to start a bigger online presence to then create a bigger audience there if it happens, but at least it's not going to cost me money because I'm not paying for stages and audio and this and that and flying to Perth to do shows and not selling tickets and things like that. 
so it's it's accessible. Um, I I feel I need to grow it so I can grow my audience and I can speak about these good things and be another form of maybe good news outlet or mm-hmm. a good information outlet. Um, and I I, tr- I know my shit stinks. I doubt it every day, but I also know that I want to be talking about love and compassion uh, and community and solidarity and all these things instead of talking about hate and crime and and uh, killing and whatever else you know and about terrorists and and about segregating us and splitting us apart so i i know with that even though my shit stinks and i doubt whether i'm ever going to be able to create an audience or 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 gain an audience to to hear me out properly and, and be a voice for society to to foster social change i'm still going to try and i guess that's that clown you know i'm I keep on getting told, no, it's not going to work. No, it's not going to work. But I'm still going to try because I still feel we need more positive messages. So I guess that's why the vlog. Yeah, I I don't know how to do a vlog yet. So at the moment, I'm just (laughs) filming these things. I'm filming me talk and I'm filming me read and we'll see what comes out of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Well... Given that you want people to be able to find you online, where can they find you online, Danny Cabs? Um, yeah, you can find me. Danny Cabs is spelled D-A-N-I-C-A-B-S. So you just cut the E-L off Daniel and it's Danny. And Cabs is um, just like taxi cabs. And um, my website is dannycabs.com. Uh, my Instagram is dannycabs. I do have a Twitter, but I never use it. So, But it's dannycabs as well. You can, if you type in Danny Cabs, one word anywhere, you'll find Danny Cabs. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, it's been great to talk to you and make fun of you. Thank you, um, Jonathan. John O. Hey, John O. Hey, Danny. <laughs> All right, that's fucking nice. It's nightmare. been fun. Let's go. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>The House Conspiracy podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org donate. And you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening.